HD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston. And on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. How do people treat you when they find out you've encountered alien life forms? What happens to your life and your belief systems? Are we fooling ourselves when we feel that we control our own lives and destinies? Hello there, and welcome to the 340th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those sobering questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. It's the second week of our panel on alien contact experiences, and we'll be dealing again with a subject that's very difficult and highly personal for those who have been through it. Once again, our panel consists of two people who have endured abductions along with relatives, and another whose family went through what amounts to a home invasion by apparently alien life forms in 1955. With us once again are Tom Reed, whose, whose long family history of abductions is considered one of the best documented cases. Also returning this week is Jesse Long, whose lifelong abduction experiences included his brother and apparently his hybrid children. Finally, we have Geraldine Sutton Stith, who was documented in her book, Alien Legacy, the experiences of her father and family during the 1955 Kelly Hopkinsville encounter in Kentucky. Oh, okay. So the podcast of last week's show on uh, number 388 is available at www.behindtheparanormal.com, completely free of charge. So, everyone, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thanks. Hey, thank you. Hey, don't die. We're awake. Okay, making sure you're all. All right, so let's kick this off with a bang, so to speak. So, Tom and Jesse, you both said last week that your abduction experiences seem to be part of genetic experiments. And, Tom, you suggested that the experiments on you and your family, and maybe even your son, uh, were successful uh, for the aliens. Uh, what do you mean by successful? Well, I, I would have to look at my son again and say that uh, there was, in, in my opinion, there was definitely some gene manipulation or an influence of some kind. It would just uh, seem to fit with, with what we're experiencing now with with, their, with my son. So with that said, and, and being that this seems to have taken place at a very young age and, and uh, with my mother at a younger age and, and my son experiencing some things, I would I'd have to say that, yes, it looks like it's something uh, that uh, is is worked into a very young age and then it looks to me that it's watched through through the years to the best of your knowledge um i don't remember i'm pretty sure we covered this last last show but just just in case for the people who didn't listen to the last show um what was the aim or do, what what do you think is the aim of these uh genetic experiments that's a really good question i i it would appear that uh at least i believe that we were all originally, uh, the human race, uh, was, it started out RH negative. And that perhaps we have, uh, maybe read a lot of what we were meant to be out of us to some respect. And maybe we all just fell off track. And with that said, that maybe we're just trying to, in some way, trying to get us back on track or that we're just, we just didn't uh, develop the way we were meant to. And there's there's an ongoing effort to see that 
you know, that we don't continue to go in the direction we are. Hmm. Very philosophical in a way. So, how is, has your son's DNA ever been analyzed? No, I haven't had him analyzed, no, but he's been to several different centers and, and looked at through, uh, you know, start testing through schools and, and so on and so forth. So I'd say that he's probably gone through about five or six different, different uh, tests with different centers over a 10-year period. Mm. Mm. All right, so, Jesse, you suggested that in experimenting on your family and uh, that, or that the aliens were experimenting on your family and uh, producing the hybrids that, or that the aliens uh, might have failed in creating... Uh, what do you think that failure consisted of? If they have failed in creating the, the hybrid? Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, you seem. I thought last week you said uh, that there might have been some sort of uh, failure because the, the experiment seemed to stop at that point. Oh, well, only failure as far as they're needing my DNA. I, I oh, I see. My, okay. All right. yeah, I think my DNA got to maybe an age or a point where... They didn't need me in particular anymore. Okay. My use for them was extinguished, you know. All right. Uh, Jesse, can I ask you to speak up a little bit? Sure. All right. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just keep, keep doing that. Um, I'm just getting a lot of feedback. Yeah, well, that happens. Uh, you have any further questions, Ben, before I go to these emails? Go to the emails. Okay. Uh, I want to get these in because usually we, we get talking and the, the readers don't have a chance. But there are a couple of – a number of readers said in – readers uh, – Liz, uh, the author speaking. Listeners said in questions, and they were – they uh, met many repeated ones that we have asked or are going to ask. But these, these did not. And this is a question from Meg S. in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Hi, Paul and Ben. Really enjoy these panel shows you do. I think uh, the Kelly incident – is really fascinating. In your research, have you or any of your guests come across a similar incident? If so, did the people at the time associate it with UFOs? Okay. Uh, I've got something to contribute to that, but why don't any of you, especially Geraldine, of course, uh, have you come across any other incidents in your research of, of this kind? No. This is the only... <sighs> Gun battle, I've heard of. Um, well, gun battle, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> you know, that's what it was. It was a gun battle. Yeah. Um, you know, they took the guns and went out there and started shooting. So, you know, it's. It, I have not heard of another one like this. It could be, you know, you don't know. People don't talk. They really don't. And there may be one out there. But as far as I know, this is the only case that's been documented where the family actually shot at the little bees. So, I don't know. I don't Well, the actual, uh, well, it, it sort of a gun battle, I mean, the, the aliens didn't shoot back, did they? No, no. They no. didn't have a chance. They but, landed in the wrong field. <laughs> yeah, well, what fascinates me is that they, they didn't seem to be affected by, by this. However, uh, just to, to answer the question, uh, either of you fellows um, want to, want, want to, have you heard of anything? Like that, uh, you know, such as it occurred with uh, Geraldine's family in your own research? And then not, not. that necessarily happened to you, but things that... No, I, I haven't heard of any others. Okay. No, it's, it's pretty unique what she has. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know about that. We have um, 
uh, information coming in from all sides at all at all times, and we're particularly interested in the research of our friend uh, Lon Strickler, who, of course, is an expert on humanoids and humanoid encounters. And apparently these happen all the time, and as Geraldine has suggested, perhaps they're just not reported. Uh, here's one that's sort of brand new. This is dated 28 April of this year, and... Um, this is this is uh, from a researcher named Dave Garrison, who forwarded a few emails to Lon uh, uh, when it has to do with the um, uh, from from a, a reader of his in Connecticut. Now that's of interest to uh, Tom and I. We're natives of Connecticut. Uh, last Thursday night, I went out on my back porch to smoke a cigarette. I let my dog out first, and he went off to the left about ten feet. I heard a rustling noise to my right, but didn't see anything. I looked at the dog to see if he heard it, but for some reason he didn't. That's interesting. I immediately looked back to the noise again, and it rustled a second time. The thing, the thing stood about two feet tall. I actually saw it lift its head up and look at me. We locked eyes for about three or four seconds before my dog ran over there. David, this thing had red eyes, David being the guy he's writing to. Uh, they were big round eyes. I could see the whites of the eyes, and I could see a brownish color in the middle. Here, Here's where it gets freaky. Sounds pretty freaky already to me. Around the whites of the eyes was glowing red, not as if a light or glare caught its eyes, but it wasn't normal. It was a red glowing outline around the eyes. I could barely make out the rest of the body, but the head was. The only way I can explain it was the head looked like a gremlin from the movie before they went bad. Round head and ears much uh, stouter than a cat's ears, uh, but I could make them out. <clears throat> Excuse me. It almost looked as if it had two-tone patches of fur, light, and dark. And uh, it also he also disappeared right before my eyes. Between the time that the creature and I locked eyes, my dog was on to him. He ran over and expected him to chase it. Uh, he got to the spot and looked around. And of course, apparently the thing had just just disappeared. And that uh, you know, I saw that and it kind of reminded me of. Uh, of uh, almost, uh, in a way, the creatures that were seen, although much shorter than than, our, than your family reported in in the Kentucky case. Uh, any comments, Geraldine, or anyone else? That's wild. <laughs> oh well, we get this stuff all the time, day in and day day in and day out. Uh, this point, yeah. you know, and going back to the, the shooting part of my story, uh, I can't imagine anybody else not seeing. You know, if you see something, you know. You're going to go into protective mode. So, you know, there's got to be other cases out there where people have shot at whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it's just not being reported. Well, what's yeah, interesting, that's I think you're right. What's interesting here, too, is this occurred apparently in the uh, area of Montville, Connecticut, which is in eastern Connecticut, not far from where we are. And uh, there are, are two... Um, Indian reservations there, the particular Mohegan one and and the the Pequot reservation, which are famous for their casinos. <laughs> they uh, they they have uh, large amounts of land on each reservation, and they're, they're doing very well with their casinos. And uh, uh, but the thing is, they've been on that land forever, and you've got all sorts of legends of Ben. And I'm thinking of you know what, yeah. Puckwudgies. All right, these are these are creatures that supposedly uh, very much. Uh, uh, in line with the description of this particular it also sort of reminds me of Mothman. Yeah, in a way with the red eyes. Yeah. yeah. But you know our theory, uh, the whole multiverse thing, in our opinion, kind of explains when you have worlds that, that are wa- sloshing together, 
the creatures in either either world will come in contact with each other. That's why there are so many different variations, in my opinion, uh, of craft, of creatures, of ghosts, of ed- anything that you want to call paranormal. So, I mean, what say you folks? They are related, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, essentially, well, that, that, that's really about it. So, um, all right, well, that, I just thought that would be interesting to introduce. Here's a, now, we're coming up on a break here, actually. What do we got there, Ben? Uh, now a couple, we got a minute or two. All right, we can state this. Anyway, uh, this is from Dr. J, and it just says California. Okay, uh, as a psychologist, I'm really interested in what you might call exopsychology. I'm fascinated by the stories of alien genetic experiments and what their feelings might be. So I, I would ask Jesse, based on his experience meeting his own hybrid children, do they have uh, compassion or per, uh, parental feelings to, or yeah, do you have compassion or parental feelings towards these hybrids? Uh, do they realize that humans uh, or their offspring, even hybrids, need love and physical contact? Uh, how did you feel while meeting them? Okay, that's a complicated question. We may wait till after the break, but I might add to that that there has been, and then while, while you think about that, Jesse, there has been some speculation that the purpose of these genetic experiments may be beyond anything we can imagine because we're dealing with an alien race here of some kind. And uh, other people have suggested that they perhaps are our descendants. This time travel thing keeps coming up, especially lately. And that what's happening is that they have lost something. Uh, as perhaps uh, certainly Tom has suggested, and they're, they're trying to get it back. And th- this this may include uh, human emotions. It's like the movie Dark City. Dark City. Never seen that. No. Oh come on. I don't wa- <laughs> I don't watch a lot come of movies. On. I don't have time. You're the movie mogul around here. That's you. Just go home. Go home. I am home. There you go. All right. Well, in any case, we're coming up on a break, and we'll be right back to try and answer this question from the psychologist. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. And as deprived as I be in the movie sense, we do ask you to stay with us, and we'll continue our conversation with our panel this evening. Stay with us, please. So what are you thankful for? The I'm Thankful Network explores the positive. Join host Sue Lundquist, Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time. Empowering women, empowering lives. The I'm Thankful Network on New Sky Radio. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, the Dr. Pat Show is alive with a distinctive blend of interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational, and practical information. Get in the know. Following Dr. Pat, join host Laura Lee for Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Contact your dearly departed spirit guides and angels to find answers, closure, guidance, insight, revelations, and prophecy regarding matters of the heart by contacting the other side through acclaimed medium Laura Lee. You are not alone. Batter up. Life's a game. Win. Call and get advice from today's top coaches that are here to help you win the game of life. The Coach Me Network is live starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And welcome back to our Alien Contact e-panel. Uh, Tom Reed, Jesse Long, and Geraldine Stith. And we have just read before the break a question from a doctor in California who says he is a psychologist and is interested in what... Maybe he's coined a term here, exopsychology, the psychology of the alien mind or whichever alien mind you're dealing with. Uh, so uh, having asked the question, uh, do they seem to have feelings? Do they realize that any hybrids would need love and care, even physical contact with their parents, this sort of thing? Uh, and I certainly start, well, I guess Jesse and Tom have had this experience. Do you feel, did you feel any feelings from them? Did you feel... You were in the presence of someone you could understand, that, that they understood you in any way, or they were just automata. Tom? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, yeah. it's okay. The only time I, I truly remember any form of back and forth or any type of communication whatsoever was when I was, uh, I guess I was six or seven years old, and uh, it was the very, the very first time. It was uh, back in Sheffield, Mass., and I felt a touch on my on my shoulder and I knew at that point I was very worried about my brother I was looking for him a lot and, and I couldn't find him he was taken out of sight and I was very nervous and, and at that point I just knew that I, that he was okay that I was that the situation itself we weren't in danger and we felt like we were important as far as I I don't I can't say that I understood what 
if there was a message being being relayed to me but i knew that they understood me so and i think it was more than just body language and the fact that i was panicking to some degree it was more that they understood that there was a connection with my brother and i and they they brought him back to me so as far as me understanding them no maybe i was too young maybe whatever i wasn't uh, mature enough what have you but but they definitely understood me i'm sure okay jesse what uh you you met what you believe were your hybrid children what was your what do you have to say on this well they they always make me hold the new babies uh when i first see them yeah and it's almost as if they want me to love them and uh, imbue into them a feeling of the love uh, only one time did one of the children cry and i didn't know what to do about it and neither did they and they seemed rather confused just like i was confused hmm. but of course when my child did one of my child died of course i was devastated and they seemed very sympathetic and empathetic so they seem to want the human captive to imbue into these hybrid children some kind of emotion I've heard of that yeah do you i suppose you don't have any idea who who the mother was this being sort of a test tube situation no um because only one time was i ever forced to physically crossbreed with a female every other time i think they did the in vitro okay so is this uh still going on this crossbreeding with you or do you feel it's ended you said you uh, felt that it's ended I believe it ended with the death of my child in 1999. Oh, my goodness. All right. Wow. <laughs> no one should have to go through that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, – Ben, did you have a, a question? Or one? Uh, well, not till later. I mean, if you wanted to go – Okay. I want, yeah, maybe else. do uh, one or two more emails here. Uh, okay. This is from Mike in New York City. All right. So, Mike writes, Hi, Paul and Ben. I love the show, and I'm enjoying this panel discussion. I really feel for the people who go through this. Uh, you and Ben are always making connections among paranormal phenomena. Do you feel there is a connection between the cases of Tom Reed, Jesse Long, and Geraldine Stiff? Okay, well, that's an interesting question. The guy the guy listens to us, I guess. Uh, we can get all of you involved in this, certainly. Connections. Uh, one of the things we find in the paranormal is that everything is connected. Everything is connected, period. And that seemingly unrelated phenomena can be connected, particularly in the same area. But of course, you've got connections here among, certainly between Tom and uh, and uh, Jesse with abduction experiences, and maybe with Geraldine a potential abduction experience that was fought off literally by with firearms. No, uh, we don't know that. No, we don't know that. That's well, we don't know any of this. I mean, this is all speculation. Exactly. Right? Uh, perhaps you might say educated speculation, certainly by those who've been through it. Uh, did you? I don't know. It, just, it seems that there is there are connections among all most of the stories we've heard about abductions, including uh, I might say yours, Tom and Jesse. But at the same time, there seems to be sort of a, a, a personal or a unique um, character to each experience. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? What do you What do you both say about that? Jesse? Well, yeah, unique in that we each are going to react in our own way. Uh, yeah. 
some people like me, I was reacting with fear and, and dread each time until I figured out what was going on. I mean, some people, when they have the experience, are enlightened and seem to be getting messages on how to save the world and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really each individual person perceives it in their own, their own way. What messages did you get about saving the world? I didn't get those kind of messages, oh. unfortunately. Mine oh, were, I see. like I said, were all the, the painful, frightening, scary ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Tom? Well, uh, eight, eight, no, age six or, or around that time seems to be a pretty common age with a lot of those that I've gotten emails from and those who speak to me. And the fact that, that uh, I, I had a brother, um, and for instance, Jesse, and, you know, he had his brother as well, uh, I spoke to someone the other day who had, uh, he was a twin. And, uh, I guess I'm wondering if the fact that when you have a brother or a sister with you, could that be something that's of interest? Because in our case, it helped my brother and I stay calmer. I had to lean on, he had me to lean on, and we weren't alone in that respect. And I'm wondering if Maybe that plays a part in it, but uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. One wonders. Um, uh, it's hard to hear you. It's hard to hear me. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, you're you're kind of coming in and out there too. But yeah, it's Geraldine. Uh, I think uh, boxes. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, I had a question for Geraldine actually. Uh, Geraldine, I know it's impossible to speculate authoritatively on this, but one cannot help but wonder what would have happened if uh, your father and, and the folks had not opened fire on them, because if they had come, been allowed to come into the house, uh, who knows what would have happened? Were they just nosy, or would there have been some sort of constructive contact, or would it have been an abduction? I, uh, certainly, this, it's just um, interesting to speculate. I guess there's no, no, really, no real way to know what would have happened. Well, yeah, they apparently didn't have anything on them. They were coming up to the house with their hands above their head. Well, what you want to call them, hands above their head. You know, like they were surrendering. And yeah. so, you know, you know, I ran this thing in my brain a million times. It seems like to me they were curious. Maybe they wanted to communicate. Maybe just maybe they were in some kind of trouble. We don't know. Yeah. You know, since I've written the book, you know, I, I've had all kinds of people come to me, written me. I mean, well, honey, down and come in my house, telling me stories that they know that they've heard um, about that night. And uh, sometimes I just wonder if they could possibly have been in trouble. They were looking for help, and they just happened to land, you know, in Kelly of all places. And um, because they weren't trying to hurt anybody, and that's a fact. You know, my grandmother, that was her biggest thing. You know, she was put on my daddy. You know, I don't think it's time to hurt it. Mm -hmm. She wanted no gunfire. She just wanted to see what was going to happen, I guess. And but we don't know. If they had to start shooting on those little fellas, there ain't no telling what would have happened that night. You know, they could have sat down and had a cup of coffee. Who knows? Yeah. You know, we just don't know. No, we, we just don't know. And it's certainly, to me, the most fascinating question in the whole case. Certainly um, in other humanoid contacts that we've 
I received from uh, Lon Strickler and other folks who, who give us that information. Uh, there are m many questions that arise in that regard. Many of the humanoid contacts, uh, sometimes they're seen flying uh, without a craft, <laughs> flying mm -hmm. humanoids. Uh, sometimes they're seen on the ground and seem just as surprised to meet you as you are to meet them. Uh, we in we've encountered that in a lot of so-called ghost cases. Uh, you know, they, 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 these entities, they, they think you're, you're ghost haunting them because they see you, in our opinion, across the boundaries of these worlds, and you look like a ghost to them. So that's, I think, what, what's often happening. But in any case, we will be back with our panel in just a moment. It's time to take a break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Be right back with our alien contactee panel in just a moment. Stay with us. Take CBS Radio to Sky with you wherever you go. Be sure to download the Radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and Sky News. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected. No, 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And we're back with our panel of, of, of alien, uh, not, well, two abductees and one uh, who has documented the contactee situation of her family in 1955. And certainly uh, we're going to continue with uh, well, at least one more email here before we get back to our regular questions. And this is from Marty in Seattle. Okay, so Marty writes to us. Uh, when it comes to the abductions of Tom and Jesse... Uh, you said that each one happened to ha- or happened to that each one happened to their brothers at the same time. Or, well, their brothers were abducted at the same time. In other words, uh, do their brothers remember this uh, this today? And how do they feel about it? Also, uh, there was some mention of Tom's son having special gifts. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So, uh, what about your brothers? Uh, what do they have to say about this? Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Um, okay, Matt, Matthew. Uh, Matthew started out uh, speaking um, with me, actually, a lot more than he uh, has now. I, I think that, first, yes, he does remember an awful lot. My, my brother also had a club, a club foot, and, uh, you know, he remembers uh, a lot of attention being put on his, his club foot. And, and uh, when he was younger, he used to carry a, a blue and yellow tugboat, for whatever reason, to bed with him and stuff. And he remembers he had that at the time. And. And so he remembers some very specific moments, whereas my memory with what happened was more of a general knowing, because I think we've talked about this a lot, that he was very traumatized by a particular incident, but I, I tend to always have been looking for him. So I, the surroundings I was more familiar with, and he remembers more specifics, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, with that said, yeah, he, he does remember an awful lot, but he, but to answer like the second part of that question, he doesn't really, um, participate much anymore in the conferences or shows because he's been kind of uh, put off by, by by some of it, I guess, that, uh, you know, it's very, he's very, uh, he takes it very seriously and, um, and uh, he's become a little more isolated lately. Yeah. Now, sometimes you don't get much respect, which is a, gets into the question of what this does to your life, you know, this sort of thing, So we'll get into it in a minute. Uh, but Jesse, what say you about uh, your brother's experience? Well, he remembered everything like I remembered it when we were children. Uh, and we just never talked about it growing up because we weren't supposed to. And as he got older, he, he came out with me and he has done interviews with me, but he's sort of shying away from that for the same reason that Tom mentioned, you know, the ridicule factor, you know. Yeah. People will just make fun of you, and he said, I don't need that. So he sort of has stepped back. Certainly understandable. And uh, as far as the last part of the question, um, I guess this is a question about your your son again, Tom. Um, can you uh, expand a little bit on what his abilities are? Well, uh, okay. In uh, back to uh, first or second grade, when he, they really started uh, noticing Crystal Lake uh, Elementary School in uh, West Palm Beach, and uh, he was very uh, he, he was doing. Um, uh, I don't want to say high school mathematics, but some. He was his math ability was just unbelievable. In second grade, he was he was doing fractions and and so he, we uh, I was called in to uh, meet with the uh, with the gifted or classes, if you will, or those who held them. 
and while he was being tested, his IQ came back at 140 something, um, which I have those papers. His, uh, I guess he he ranked uh, what 127 percentile, uh, so he's almost 30 percent more than than uh, than he should have been, and uh, placed him in a 96 percent throughout the country as far as uh, his age or peer. So he was by far in the superior range at that point. Uh, as far as the actual numbers and so on, it's kind of hard to, to, to make sense of it right now. But he was uh, basically it was mathematical. And and with that said, he also ended up um, representing the school when they have one or two students from a school go into like a, a, a South Florida a competition, if you will. And he represented the mathematical uh, portion of that school for that. He also... Um, started playing chess in first grade. He actually beat the principal in the cafeteria in front of everyone. And because of that, he was a, he was they offered to bring an unbeaten chess pro in that was a female, and he actually beat her. Um, now whether she was being lenient, I don't really know, but I know that that was quite a quite the talk of the school for a while. So that was how it started. And then he had these premonitions he, uh, that uh, my boat was gone, and our, we were in danger, and there was this uh, white Toyota without hubcaps on it in coming through the area. He described these individuals. Two weeks later, I sold my boat to his football coach, and there there comes this vehicle that he described to a T that we, no one had ever seen before, and our neighbors had been robbed. So we kind of picked up on that. Interesting. There, was, there, there was another time um, in Connecticut, actually, um, in Litchfield, where um, just out of Litchfield County, where he got all nervous. This was later on, um, very nervous about something, my family being in some type of danger. So he had me call my, my mother. Actually, she answered the phone. And I said, uh, you know, uh, Chance is, is, is concerned about uh, you guys. Is everyone okay? Oh, yeah, we're, we're fine, Tom. You know, just let him know. We're, you know we'll call him in the morning. That was all we, that I hung up the phone. Um, the next morning, I get a call about 6.30 in the morning. My uh, my mother and father both on the line. Um, the store, the convenience store, which you could hit with a rock, basically, from my parents' home, was robbed that night. And they followed the footsteps in the snow back to a barn on our property. Oh, gee. So that's the kind of thing. Now, whether or not, you know, it's just, it, usually it's about mathematics. And anytime he feels a fear or a nervousness or an uncomfortableness, this is much more stronger when he was younger, by the way. It's now he's distracted more. But to, to uh, give you one more little uh, instance here, when we took him to the, uh, the Knoxville uh, Center here in town, now this, now we're at 2010. What they did there was they ran a series of remote viewing tests on him. Um, but aside from that, they had him in a conference room. And uh, the, uh, Michael Buckner, who was uh, administering the, these tests, you know, basically had uh, Zeno cards, and um, he would take three or four cards, actually most, sometimes five, and he would call my son on a speakerphone and mention one card that he had, a second card that he had, and then he'd have to guess what the the, the third card was, and he at that point he was he was getting those cards two to three times more often than he should have been. It was, you had a 20, a 16% chance. He was in the well over 30 something percent. And this went on for quite some time. But when he did it with math, 
when he took mathematical numbers and, and uh, he's done this several times. He did this locally with uh, the officer White, um, some people from the MUFON Star team. And he also did it at uh, Scarefest where Travis Walton and I were at Scarefest three years ago. And this he did again with this uh, instructor or, or individual administering your text. He took um, a set of numbers and told uh, my son four of the numbers in this equation, leaving out the fifth one. And he got it more times than not. So anytime there's something to do with math, or calculations, he is on the money. Anytime there's anything to do with fear or danger, he's on the money. Otherwise, he doesn't seem to be as focused on it. I think that's what it is. But those are the kind of things he's been doing. And you combine that with a, a pretty high IQ. Uh, but he does get frustrated very easy. I will tell you that. He does come unglued if he gets yeah. frustrates himself a lot. Interesting. That's uh, That seems to be beyond gifted. All right, so this is a question... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. All right, well, this is a question for all of you. Um, have you or your families ever felt that you were being watched or followed in an organized way? And I'm talking about, like, the so-called men in black kind of thing or something along those lines. Yeah, let's start with, uh, I guess, Jesse, if you want to. Uh, not the men in black. I have been abducted and taken to military bases. <laughs> I think that, that, that that's a big yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, can you, can you tell us about that? Do you feel comfortable talking about it? Sure. It was an underground facility in California. Someone told me it was Tehachapi once I described the interior to them. There were military, human military people working alongside the aliens. Uh, as I was wheeled down a hallway into an elevator, on into an examination room, and I was wondering why the humans weren't trying to help me escape, and yet they were helping the aliens. So. Well, that, that, that's pretty spectacular. I, you know, we, the, One does hear these accounts of this all the time, including in the Rendlesham case. Uh, okay, well, what was the outcome of this, and how long were you there, and when did they let you go? Um, well, <laughs> it was a typical abduction. I don't know why they took me there, except I think it was just to prove to me that it was happening because I was able to describe the design of the numbers on the elevator and that we yeah. went down seven floors and I could describe the lights in the ceiling and the feeling of the gurney on the tile on the floor. And I think it was just to show me that, look, we're working with you, so you should cooperate with us kind of thing. Did you, uh, seems pointless to ask the question, did you feel anything was odd or wrong? We wonder... Uh, from some of the evidence we have that whether or not this really is the government, whatever is behind this may be something entirely different. They may be in military uniforms. They may be, it, look, it may look like a military. I, I, I don't know, not to get nuts here, but I mean. Well, it already sounds pretty nuts. We, <laughs> we're getting there. We're, we're kind of over the edge uh, through the looking glass already. Did you, Jesse, feel that this was, might not have been any kind of government base, or it might have been something deeper or something else, or or an illusion, or what? It was not an illusion, and I, I do feel like it was a U.S. government base with human military. Okay. All right. All right, uh, Tom, have you ever had any experiences of being followed or anything like this, or, or just watched? or? 
Well, yeah, there's been a couple of uh, cases uh, where we've had uh, someone with a, a camera uh, that was uh, a zoom lens type of thing. My son uh, faced this guy with a quad once uh, back in 2010. And, you know, there have been um, – there's a lot of cars in the area. Oh, we, I'm afraid I have to stop you. I'm missing – I'm so interested here. We missed the, we're missing the, the break. We have to take a yeah, break. Now. Okay. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron-Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron-Reed Show. The Colette Baron-Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron-Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic, and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. New Sky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New skyradio.com. Believe. All right, now before we continue with this surveillance issue, we wanted to give our panelists a chance to tell you about their books, websites, and work. And Geraldine, let's start with you. Where can people get your book and what is it? All right. Mine is called Alien Legacy. You can get it at alienlegacy1955.com. That is my website. And you can also get it online at any bookstore. Just go online and order it. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay, good. And uh, there's a link to that uh, that site uh, and, and to all the sites of, uh, of our guests uh, at BehindTheParanormal.com with the promo for the show. And are you working on anything else, Geraldine? Are you writing any more books or what's going on? Well, yeah, I'm supposed to be writing another one right now, but it ain't going to happen. I've been so busy because we've got the Kelly Festival, and I'm supposed to write a book about different uh, people talking about, you know, remembering the event, what they remember, you know, family members and all that kind of thing, but I just haven't gotten with it and gotten all of the, uh, you know, stuff together to, to get it this year. Hopefully I'll have it at next year's festival, but, yeah. Sure. Uh, I know I'm a professional writer and I don't have time to write. Uh, Jesse, yes. what are you working on? What, what's what's going on with you and uh, where can people find out more about you? Well, I have a manuscript that I'm trying to find the publisher for. It, it seems like everyone else is writing books and including me in their book, but I haven't <laughs> to find the publisher myself. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll be in touch off the air about that. Maybe I can give you a hand. Okay. Uh, what do you think there, Tom? Well, pretty much the same situation. I uh, started, I've uh, got about four or five chapters under my belt. The book, again, is Willow Lake. Um, but, uh, again, I've sent it out to a few people, uh, you know, four chapters or so, and I'm not, uh, I'm not really interested in self-publishing. So if it takes a few years, it takes a few years. But uh, but that's where I am, too. It's uh you know, it's just a waiting game right now, and I'm done. But I haven't, uh, I'm, it's more of a memoir anyway, and, and it seems that they're more interested in novels, and this isn't a novel, it's a diary, basically. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it off the air. My family's been in the publishing business, and okay. uh, not not a business I suggest, but there are always possibilities, as Mr. Spock would say. Okay, let, let's uh, use our last minute or two here to, to just to move on, I guess, uh uh, Geraldine, have you ever felt that you've been under surveillance, or did your family ever feel that? Were there strange visitors uh, of the humankind after this incident, or what, anything of that kind? Not even like strange. You know, we had the useful reporters and investigators, you know, want to know more from the papers and magazines and stuff, but as far as, you know, anything else, no. Of course, military, but that was it. Now, there have been... Weird sightings over the years. There's been like strange people come down there and they'll be, I know it's going to sound cliche, but dressed in black. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah well, yeah, I know. You That's know, strange, you know, people don't know who they are and they'll be walking around and, you know, really strange. There's even been a sighting of like a reaper type person, like a person dressed in a hood, you know, the black hooded thing. Yeah. It has been cited, which is really strange, and nobody can explain. So, you know, things like that have happened at Kelly, but as far as my family, no. It's interesting that you bring up this Reaper thing, because if you look at some of the really ancient stories of 
sightings of the lights in the sky, and they, they do go back to pre, you know, almost prehistoric times because there are cave paintings of them. There are sometimes these men in black, for lack of a better term, figures uh, dressed uh, like the Reaper. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, it, it's believed in in folklore that that's where the um, the Grim Reaper legend came from. Well, there's the, another one of those too, where this guy was. Uh, he was like on on this farm in Kansas or something, and this was like the early early like late 1800s or something like that. And he was he was yelling at his farmhand because his farmhand was like messing up on reaping like hay or whatever he was reaping up. And um, he was like, "I'd rather have the devil reap my reap my corn." And then the, that night, he saw a guy in a hooded fig in like a hooded robe and stuff reaping his corn. Hence the Grim Reaper. That's what Martin Luther said: "Speak of the devil, and he will appear." Right. Well, in any case. Uh, we're just about out of time, but there are other questions that we, we, we wanted to ask, and ho- hopefully we'll do it on another show. The big quest, biggest question of all, perhaps, being who really has dominion over this planet? Are we fooling ourselves uh, that we even know anything, let alone can control anything? And these are these are things we're going to have to be bringing up uh, in, in, uh, in the future. We wanted to thank certainly all our guests, uh, certainly Geraldine Stith, Tom Reed, and Jesse Long for, for being with us for the last two weeks. And we wish you all the best in your quest, and we will be back with you at some point, and certainly we'll be in touch off the air. Our guests tend to become our friends on this show, so I uh, certainly hope that that, that uh, will continue. Now, uh, again, so thank you. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for having me. Okay, very good. Certainly welcome. So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we won't see you live next week at, because uh, Sunday, May 16th, we will be on the road in northern New England, and the show will be a rebroadcast. But we will be back live on the following Sunday, May 13th. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time Show on WOON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com at 6 p.m.